Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Before our special guests come this morning, just a couple things we want to throw at you. First of all, uh, when you uh, go out to the foyer after the service, you're going to find a bunch of baby bottles. And the big idea here is we're partnering with Life Choices Pregnancy Center. And uh, they're doing a fundraiser where you can take these home, fill them with change, and bring them back before Father's Day or by Father's Day. And it's going to go to fund the work that they're doing. You can get all the information there. Um, it's, it's basically to help, help them minister to those with unplanned pregnancies and help them make really good choices uh, for their families and their lives. And so we want to we support the work they're doing. Go pick up a baby bottle. This is a great opportunity, by the way, to uh, partner even with your kids and, and give these to one of your kids and have them go on a little treasure hunt around the house and under the couch cushions and find whatever they can find and toss it in here. So that's that. Uh, a couple other things. Um, this weekend was actually a lot of fun. We did two really important things. In fact, two of the most important regular events that we do happened uh, this last weekend. One of those um, was in the world of prayer and the Tabernacle of David. I don't know how many of you, how many of you were able to be a part of the Tabernacle of David? Yeah, a lot of us around the room. It was just a, a wonderful time. And, and, and for those of you who haven't been a part before, we set aside 24 hours um, from noon on Friday to noon on Saturday, and we get together because we believe that there is something that happens when there's a concentration of the people of God, so, you know, submitting ourselves before the Lord, before the Holy Spirit of God, before the Word of God, and just seeing what He wants to say, right? And for all the work that happens around here, the real work of the kingdom happens in prayer. Do you guys know that? The real work of the kingdom in your family, in your work, in your life, it happens in prayer. We do nothing apart from what the Father has, is saying and doing. And, and when we take these moments to do that, it's awesome. So we're going to have notes. All the different shifts and shift leaders over that whole 24-hour period took notes on, on scriptures that were coming and things that they felt the Lord was saying. We're going to send those out later this week so you can kind of read through those yourself and just kind of get a glimpse into what the Lord was doing. So that was the prayer part. The other part happened last night, and that was with the poor. And then again, Two of the most important things that we do are with prayer and with the poor. And last night was supper in the park. Benny sent me some photos. They fed about 120 uh, of our friends down on the streets in Boulder last night, which I think is something worth celebrating here. Um, Give them a hand. And uh, about 15 to 20 vine lifers are there. Yeah, there's some photos of some of our guys uh, giving some meals out. Benny said, he sent me a text this morning, said that he prayed for a young man that had a tumor, and the tumor shrunk as they prayed for it. And so, yeah, and so, so that's the work of the kingdom. That's the spirit that is inside of you. Do you, know, do you know that? That is what we get to do, and it's fun, and it's exciting. Last thing is this. Uh, we'll make reference um, uh, every now and then. We, we want to make sure that you, understand, that you know all the different opportunities we have around here to serve, because part of being in the family, we consider ourselves a family. Part of that is giving. Part of it is serving and engaging in every way we can. A couple, two, two uh, areas we want to highlight. First of all, our Connect team, they do an awesome job at greeting at the door and, and welcoming our new guests in the back right of that Connect Center, giving them information, helping answer their questions, and just being available for them. If you would like to be a part of that team that just makes this an awesome family to come and be a part of, especially for our new guests, I want to encourage you to go after the service and uh, just go hang out at the Connect Center and let them know you want to be a part of that team. Also, our communion team. We're so blessed that every week we get to receive communion 
and, uh, re- and, and just remember the body and the blood of Jesus every week as we worship. And, and you guys know that those trays don't just magically show up, right? You, you know that, right? And in fact, we, we just have a, a couple ladies that do this week after week after week. And they didn't even ask that I say this, but I know it, that they are so faithful and they've been doing this for years. And I just want to invite you, if you want to be a part of that communion team, um, we would... Yes, I like that. <laughs> I will always welcome spontaneous applause, all right? No matter what it's for, let's just do that. But yeah, communion team, they deserve to be honored. Marilyn and Tammy and everyone else that's a part. And uh, if you want to be a part, I would encourage you, if you're not serving yet, if you want to be a part of the blessing of giving yourself to the family, go track them down. In fact, go to the Connect Center after the service. We'll get you in touch with the right people. Sound good? Awesome. You guys pumped? Awesome. That was mildly convincing, but we'll go with it. All right. Hey, um, I want to uh, welcome our our friends here this morning. A lot of you guys know Tim and Lori Thornton. They've been here before in Resound events. They've been here leading worship. They've been here speaking before. Um, We consider them kingdom partners. And uh, the Lord has been gracious to us as a leadership here and putting us in touch with the right people that are able to walk alongside with us to help us even discern, God, what are you doing in Colorado? What are you doing in the region here, right? And, and they have just proven themselves faithful. They have served us well every time they've come. They're great friends. They have uh, one of maybe the best um, models of how to do um, ministry in the context of marriage together that I've ever seen, all right? And we need more people like them, all right? They're great friends. They have an event coming up even this summer called Worship 8500. I think they're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I want you to join me in giving them the honor they're due. Would you guys help me in, uh, in welcoming Tim and Lori and Ellie Thornton? This is Ellie Thornton. Say hi. Hi. I'll step over here. Uh, Go ahead. Okay. (laughs) This is, I'm so excited about this morning. And before we really dive in, uh, we just, we do want to just take a minute to encourage you guys to think about coming to worship at 8500 um, this summer. It's going to be a three-night, three-, four-day retreat um, hosted by us and some of our friends, all centered around intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's going to be just nights, like long nights of worship and incredible teaching during the day. And if you feel God beckoning you into a season of increase relationally with him. If you hear people talk about um, God as a person and you don't understand what that means, if you sing songs about the presence of God and you have, you, you have no idea what we're singing about, this is going to be a great weekend for you. And it's going to be a great weekend for your friends. All are welcome. It's at Bear Trap Ranch, which is um, just 30 minutes west behind the Broadmoor of Colorado Springs. And it's just this beautiful little valley. We'll have it all to ourselves, beautiful little cabins, and we'll take all of our meals together. There's tent camping available, too, and tons of, like, rock climbing and fun stuff to do as a family during the free times. And it's just going to be a great 
weekend of rest and a weekend that I believe is going to be a pivotal point in many people's walks with God and just an awakening for everyone who's there. It's my prayer. So the website, if you want to sign up, you can find us afterwards. I, I meant to bring little papers, but I forgot. So um, is worship at 8500.com. Oh, oh, great question. <laughs> it's June 25th through 28th. So because we uh, have several pastors and stuff that are coming, we'll have to, um, we'll end on Sunday lunchtime. So it starts on Thursday evening after dinner, and then it goes all day Friday, all day Saturday, and then half the day on Sunday. And I'm not sure, I guess some people, it's in Colorado Springs at Bear Trap Ranch. Bear Trap Ranch, yep. Any other questions? <laughs> Very interactive this morning. I know, I love it. Okay, that's it. Awesome. So we have Ellie here because in a few minutes, she's just going to share a little bit of her relationship with the Father. And I think it's going to be a great encouragement to you guys. But uh, before we get there, I just wanted to share with you guys, um, I don't know how many weeks ago it was, Luke, four, five weeks ago, I had a dream about vine life. And in the dream, I came, and we were getting ready to lead you guys in worship, and Luke was giving me a little orientation. And uh, if you hear the flutter in my voice, that's Holy Spirit. He has been crying all morning. Well, manifest in tears later. Just means good things are happening. Luke was giving me a little orientation. It had been a while in my dream since we'd been here, and he said, well, I just wanted to let you know um, everyone is turning toward the Lord. And I looked, and on the stage, all the musicians were set up facing this way. And they weren't facing toward the people anymore. They were facing toward the Lord, and people were moving in all directions, and there was just worship mayhem happening. And it was because everybody had made a fundamental shift in where they were facing and where they were looking. And I think this is a prophetic encouragement for you guys that there is a turning that is happening right now. There's a chance in the spirit to do an about face. And it speaks to where we're sourcing ourselves from and what we're doing the things that we do unto, what our motivations of our heart are. And uh, then in the dream, uh, I won't go into too much detail because we don't have too much time, but some other things happened where the Lord started speaking to an increased capacity in this community. That the, Actually, the capacity that Vine Life as a people has right now is very shallow compared to the capacity that's going to be needed as new disciples are added to our numbers. The Lord wants to give the living water. This is, this is the phrase I got straight from this dream. He, he said, there's not enough room right now for all of the people who are going to come in who need this living water. We're going to need a major capacity increase, and the groundwork needs to be laid for that now. Not later. This is not just another Sunday. Things are changing and shifting in the kingdom. And we know from a a facilities standpoint, it's one thing to increase capacity. But I think the Lord is speaking to the capacity that we have as a people to live in a way that is prophetic. 
Bob said it, a house of worship and a house of generosity. We cannot accommodate the new disciples that the Lord wants to add to our numbers, the people that need this living water, until we live prophetically as a house of worship and a house of generosity, a house that takes from the abundant love of the Lord and pours out onto the people. The source is the Lord. The overflow is for the people. There's more to say, but that's enough for now. (laughs) The source is the Lord, and the overflow is our generosity. Sonship has to have an outlet. When you start coming into your sonship, which is a lifelong journey, you cannot say, oh, I've already received the revelation of my sonship. We are receiving the revelation of our sonship. It is a lifelong journey of identity in the Father, and it must have an outlet. It must overflow in the giving of everything we are back to Jesus. Because your life is not about you. What a relief that is to my soul. (laughs) Sometimes when I... uh, I'm having a bad day and I feel like I feel accusation come on and, and everything. And I feel like, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have that. They're probably thinking I'm an idiot and all that. And Tim usually looks at me and he says something very grounding like, babe, they're probably not even thinking about you. (laughs) They're thinking about themselves (laughs) because our culture has wrapped up everything to be about me. Right. And it's kind of had this weird mixture with sonship, where then sonship becomes all about me and all about how I'm going to get what I'm going to get from the Lord and how I'm going to achieve my destiny, how I'm going to move out in power, how I'm going to be the one ministering to the people and how I'm going to be this. You recognize those things, Mm -hmm. right? This is what Tim's talking about. Ministry comes first from the Lord. He's our source, and that's who we minister to. And our sonship must overflow in generosity and the giving of everything that we have, everything that we are, and understanding that your life and your destiny does not belong to you any longer. And one time, Tim and I were Skyping with some friends of ours, and our little, our little Ellie here, here, stand up, sweetie. Our little Ellie here loves Jesus. Do you love Take Jesus? Where they can see here, come see her. Do you love Jesus? Yes. <laughs> can you tell us what you've been asking Jesus for in your night times? To talk to me. This girl knows her Bible better than I do. She just lays there and reads her Bible for hours. Ask her something about the Old Testament and she'll be able to tell you. So she read in the Old Old Testament, New Testament about God talking to you and visions and all that stuff. And she'd been coming to me for a long time saying, Mom, I want a vision. (laughs) I want to hear the Lord. 
and I just kept saying, well, just keep asking, keep asking. And Tim and I were like, please, God. <laughs> so how long do you think you were asking? Um, forever, I guess. <laughs> forever? <laughs> so, okay, so she's asking for a long time. We'd talk about contending for, you know, what you want with the Lord. And we'd, I'd actually play little games with them in the house where one of them plays Jesus and the other one plays the people who's asking. And they kind of race around chasing each other to show how the chase is fun. It's part of the glory of the kingdom, right? So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so one night, Tim and I are Skyping with some friends of ours. And it's probably 10 o'clock at night. Everything had been silent for about an hour. And then we hear so loud that the people we were Skyping with could understand the words. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We just hear this sound coming out of Ellie's room. Tim and I looked at each other and we just started started crying. What is happening? And our friends who were um, on the other end were like, what is going on in your house? You want to, you come here. (laughs) <laughs> do you want to tell him what happened? Jesus talked to me. Say it right, say it right in yeah. there. Jesus, Jesus talked to me. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> tell, tell us what <laughs> tell us what he said. Um, he said, "I will be with you, and you will be with me." Wait, say it slower and louder. So every, because this is what he's going to say to every person in this room. Um, I will be with you and you will be with me. He said, I will be with you and you will be with me. Is that not like the father? That that's the first thing he says? Oh my gosh. And the overflow of her heart was worship. Nobody else was there. She didn't, she doesn't know, right? The overflow of her second grade, seven-year-old heart was pure worship. And it was a release of everything she had. We heard her saying, God, you've given me everything. It's all yours. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my house. She's thanking him for everything she has. Mm -hmm. And bringing her little heart to him. Yeah. Okay, so thank thank you, you. Megan. Go ahead. Thank you, Ellie. Megan's going to take you back. Here, I'll walk you back. Isn't that awesome? I got to be the first person to see Ellie's face after that experience. And... If you have ever had an unmistakable encounter with the divine, you understand this. You know, when Moses came down from the, the mountain, it said his face glowed. He had light coming out. And Ellie, she had this look on her face like she had seen something that was not of this world. And she looked at me. I said, what's happening up here? And I heard her as I, as I rounded the corner to come into her room. I heard her saying, your angels are a shield around me. I just love you, God. And I came in. I looked at her face. I said, what's happening up here? And she said, I heard the voice of Jesus. And I said, what did he say? And she she couldn't remember right then. And she said, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. His voice 
was very strong and very, very kind. (laughs) And then later she remembered those words of intimacy, I will be with you and you will be with me. That intimacy that she had, that promise with the Father, that meeting in the secret place with her erupted in her worship. And that's what happens. And that's, that's fundamentally something that has to shift in us if we're going to have the capacity to be a prophetic family that can hold the increase that the Lord wants to bring, the harvest and the awakening that is coming. We have to learn to be the people who overflow the love of God and cannot help but pour it out everywhere. And not only do we overflow, we offer our very selves. You guys, that's what sonship does. It doesn't draw all things to itself to build itself up. Jesus is our example of sonship. If you want to see sonship in action, you look at Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? He knew that he had riches. He knew that he had favor. He knew that he was one with God, but he didn't consider that to be something to be grasped. He humbled himself. He took on the nature of a servant, and he poured himself out as an offering. He gave not only his possessions, not only his time, not only his space, not only the love of his heart. He gave his own physical life as a sin offering. That's what true worship is. Brothers, in view of God's mercy, present yourselves. Present your very selves as an offering holy and pleasing to God, a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is. We all want to know what's God's will, but we can't understand what God's will is when we're stuck in our story, my story, instead of being lost in the story of the gospel, the story of God's heart that has been being written since the beginning. And we find ourselves in a crucial time right now in this story. What will we do with our part of the story? The great cloud of witnesses, the hall of faith saints from Hebrews 12 are watching. They're waiting to see if we will decide to pour out our own lives to be a part of the story that God is telling or if we will arrange everything around our own story, if we'll be lost in our small vision. So this morning, Jesus, Jesus, you whom every word of the scripture is about, Jesus, whose name is higher and greater and stronger and sweeter in any name we have ever heard and ever will hear. Jesus, we invite you this morning. We invite you to disrupt our lives. We invite you to reorient us out of our small vision, out of our small stories. And into your reality. 
We confess that we have shoved you into our own worlds. We have squeezed you into our own tiny realities. And we invite you this morning, Holy Spirit, to come and shake what can be shaken. To come and shake what can be shaken. To raise our vision and to take our place inside the greater story, inside your reality. The one that was in action long, long, long ago. And the one that will be in action forever and ever and ever. Thank you, God. So this morning we're going to take the rest of the time that we have and we're going to remind you of the story that you're living in. Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about his kingdom. It's about heaven crashing in. It's about salvation. It's about family. It's about generosity. And all of it, everything that you do is a picture of something. It's a picture of either a lesser reality or the greater reality. That's why the movies that we watch are what they are. The evil, the good, the victory, the villain, right? Because this is our story. It's what you're made for. And if you are at the center of your destiny, then you are dreaming too small. You need a bigger vision. It's just too small. Because in the beginning, God, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was God. And he spoke it and it came. He said light and there was light. Again, a prophetic vision of Jesus. Everything shows his story, guys. Everything reminds us of it. I wish we had way more time, and I wish I didn't put on so much black eye makeup. (laughs) It's going to be everywhere soon. It's going to be like a metal show. (laughs) Anyway, he makes humans, right? Do you remember Do you remember? You remember reading it in Sunday school? Let us make the birds according to their own kind. Let us make the dogs according to their own kind. Let us make people according to our kind. Be fruitful and multiply, he says. Be generous and open. He says, take the name, take my name out of our intimacy that we have and spread it across the earth. Establish my kingdom 
establish my domain on the earth. Isaiah 46.10 says that he's shown us the beginning since the end, or no, he showed us the end since the beginning. We know, we've known how this ends from the very start. Take my kingdom, my domain, and establish it on the earth. It started with intimacy first. Shared authority, shared rulership, shared life together. It started with fellowship. But they weren't alone, were they? There's a villain to our story. So there we were, set in the Garden of Eden, the crown of creation, like a jewel in a setting. And we walked with God, and we were co-creators with God. We put things in order just like he did. I can imagine Adam standing and the animals going by, and he said, we'll call that one a giraffe. We'll call that one a panda. We'll call that one a Tasmanian devil. And I wonder how long we walked with God. Have you ever wondered that? I wonder how long we stayed in perfect fellowship with the Trinity. The Trinity was overflowing love, and there was so much, they had to create a new place for the love to overflow onto, and new people to be ambassadors of that kingdom. But there was a betrayer. There was one who self-exalted Rather than choosing to be an ambassador of the kingdom to fulfill an assignment, there was one who said, I will make myself higher than the Most High. And that one found his way into the garden as well. And there we listened. And there we believed something that wasn't true about the noble heart of the one who set us in the garden. And you can just see the generations from Adam, Noah. You can can imagine each story unfolding of the compounding issues because of our rebellion, our agreement to rebel against our noble-hearted God. You You can see the murders. You can see the blood. You can see the torment. And you can see things unraveling because of the choice that we made. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And yet, even in that dark time, we hear glimmers that there's something new coming. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. My people have committed two sins. They've carved out for themselves broken cisterns that can't hold water. And they've forsaken the spring of life. You can hear the broken heart of God. And yet he has not given up hope. I will make a new covenant with them. It won't be like the old covenant that they broke, even though I was a husband to them. The God of the Old Testament is not the the harsh and rule-giving father that we sometimes see him as. He's a husband, faithful to our covenant, even though we broke it, even though we handed our keys to the kingdom 
over to the prince of darkness. He says, no, I'll find another way. I will write my law in their heart so much that they won't even have to teach each other, saying, no, God, for every one of them, from the least to the greatest, will know me. And isn't it interesting, the repetition that we hear, right, in the garden? In Isaiah, it talks about the fall of the worshiping angel, the tempter, right? I will ascend above the heights on the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Didn't he say the same thing to Eve? Doesn't he say the same thing to us? My sheep have gone astray. They're all going on their own way. They're making their own way. The temptation for us has always been and always will be to make our destiny about ourselves, to take ourselves out of the story of God and create our own lesser story and miss what we were made for. Because this is what you were made for, crafted for. Isn't that exciting? And then who, out of the heart, out of the beating and bleeding heart of our husband and father, who has pursued us through it all, then what? Jesus. Then comes Jesus, who arrived again, another Adam, like a son, to show us what sonship looks like. To take his place and model for us as the chief apostle what it looks like to live out our kingdom assignments. What it looks like to find our identity as sons and then to lay everything out for the glory of our Father. What a beautiful picture, is it not? And it doesn't stop there. It doesn't just stop with his life. Wouldn't that have just been enough? Just to have a nice picture? No. He goes and finishes it for us. He, he goes and he, he gives everything and dies so that we might be freed from the fear of death. There is nothing holding us back now. Because he went and did the unthinkable. He did the thing that we're all afraid of. He went and did it. And he beat it. And his sacrifice ripped the veil so that we no longer have to crawl, crawl, crawl and scratch our way into the presence of God, but that we can know him as we were made to know him. That we no longer have to have somebody go in there for us, but we can stand before the throne in confidence. Amazing story, you guys. We're not even through, like, what I think is the best part. <laughs> this 
is your story. This is your story. And then, as if death weren't enough, here he comes out of the grave. Go ahead, Tim. So, can you tell? We're both just like, oh, I want to tell this part. This is the best story ever. (laughs) So the word that dwelt in perfect unity with the Godhead now became flesh and dwelt among us. And although through one man's act of disobedience, all were made sinners, through one man's act of righteousness, many are made righteous. Now, yeah, that's worth it. Let her rip. Then, the greatest moment this world has known, he burst forth from the grave. And he revealed himself again in perfect fellowship, not only with the Godhead, but with us. Remember, us who rebelled, us who gave the keys of his kingdom to the enemy. We could have been kings in it, but we gave it away. We became slaves objects of wrath by nature. He burst forth from the grave. And what did he do? He found us in the garden. That's right. Mary, the first disciple to see Jesus risen from the grave, mistook him for the gardener. Do you see the beauty of this picture? There's so much poetic justice here. God originally set us in a garden the place that he wanted to walk in intimacy with us, the place where we were going to rule and reign as ambassadors of his kingdom. I think it's really telling that the first person who sees him after he has risen from the dead finds him in a garden. (laughs) And then he speaks to the disciples. He appears to them many times. He eats with them. They touch him. And he talks to them about what? The kingdom of God, because here we find our destiny. He reveals to us the kingdom. Why? Because this is where I love the heart of God. This is where I love the heart of my lover. Because if I were the lover in this scene, I might say, Honey, I've come to rescue you. I've taken care of it. Now I'm just going to whisk you away up to a safe place or go to your room for a while and think about what you've done while I put things back in order. But that's not the generous heart of our God. This is so redemptive. What does he do? He puts the sword in her hand. He arms her. And he says... You know that guy who lied to you in the garden? I think you're going to enjoy what you get to do to him now. (laughs) And this is the point of the story that we were in. Here we find our destiny. If we can understand that our lover is arming us as a warrior bride to take back step by step this world called earth 
that we once handed over through disobedience, but now not on our own, not left to our own devices, but together with our prince, our love, and our power, we get to live the sacrificial life that he lived and pour out all that we have to his glory and to the redemption of this earth until one day we sit down together at the wedding feast of the Lamb, the consummation of our fellowship. This is what Jesus always wanted for us. Did you know that Jesus meant for us to have the same fellowship with the the Father and the Holy Spirit that he had? He invited us into the love of the Trinity. He extended himself beyond what was comfortable and at great cost destroyed the dividing line and became our peace. And we will sit down together and drink of the fruit of the vine, just like I did over there this morning, looking back on his sacrifice and looking forward to the feast of our fellowship and celebration and worship for ages to come. That is our story. He has restored to us Everything that was lost. And he has given to us everything that we need to participate in the divine life, the divine story. He's given us everything that you need. You are lacking nothing. So much so that when he ascended, he said, I got to go because it's better for you to do this. With the Holy Spirit. Amazing story, you guys, that you're a part of. We got to raise our vision. I love it because now we get to walk out this prophetic lifestyle that we're talking to you about today. We get to, like, you know, we keep praying for signs and wonders and all of that stuff, right? You want to know what a sign and a wonder is? You. (laughs) You. You are. You together are. Because you together is the community of faith that lives together in a way that the likes of which the world has never seen. It's a complete impossibility for you to live with the kind of joy and hope that's promised to you the kind of generosity and giving of everything that you have, writing the kind of checks that you can write. It is impossible to do that if you're living for your own destiny, if you're living for your own glory. But it is what is a natural overflow of knowing that everything you have comes through the intimacy you have with the Father. And so everything will be given to you because you need it so that you can give it away. Everything that Jesus has done for you, he wants to do through you. This is the time. This is the day where our walls will be too big for the people who want to come into this kind of a reality. We have a great friend who always says that 
people already have their own dysfunctional family. Nobody needs another dysfunctional family. (laughs) But these walls won't be big enough for the people that come in to the family of God. I'm going to pray a scripture over us. And then we're going to close. And uh, we'll stay here. If you, if you want to come and get some prayer, I think a ministry team is going to come up. Is that true? Cool. There's going to be a ministry team. We'll pray, and there will be probably some prophetic stuff happening. Uh, if you feel your heart burning, come and get some. Yeah? Well, I was just going to say that I think there's an invitation this morning for any of you guys who, who didn't know there was a bigger story than your own. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we don't get to hear the whole thing. <laughs> and if that's the case, come on. Yeah. Come on and enter in to freedom. Yeah. Enter in to your health. Psalm 127 says, don't, this is a low, low paraphrase right here, but it basically says, don't be building what the Lord's not building. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're building what the Lord's not building, the builders build in vain. Don't be building what the Lord's not building. I'll tell you what the Lord is building. He's building a city of awakened believers linked together, moving forward in power and in victory. If that is the kind of life that you want, then you stand up. If that's the kind of story that you want to be a part of, stay standing. Stay standing. If that's the kind of story that you want to be a part of, stand up. And let's repent our way into the truth of who God is and what we're created for. And let's let go of everything that entangles and take on the yoke of Jesus, which is easy and it's light. And it's worth carrying. And it's worth dying for. Come on. Do you understand me? <laughs> Do you understand? Because if you did, you'd be living differently. This is not just something you hear in an institution. This is real and it's life and it's above everyone here. But it's in everyone here. And it's what you're made for. So come and take it. Because it's a free thing. You don't do anything. You still don't have to do anything. You just live and let Jesus live in you. Let Jesus live his life in you. Just like he did in Acts. Just like he did through the apostles. The chief apostle continued his work through the apostles. And now through you, we are his body on the earth. We are a prophetic vision and the continuation of a story. And it is time for us to take our place in the line of saints that went before us and in the line of saints that go after us. It's time for us to join inside the legacy left and to leave a legacy too. A legacy 
of selflessness and generosity, of intimacy, power, and fellowship. Okay, I'm going to proclaim the scripture over us, and I believe that we're going to feel a shift. We're repenting right now for living life in a smaller story in which we are the center of the known universe. We're presenting ourselves to the Lord to come into our destiny, that our leg of this race would not be found wanting. So we're receiving this from your word, God, over this community, over us as your church. For truly in this city there, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. See, even the unbelievers, even those who actively persecute the church, are just playing their part in the larger story. And now, Lord, take note of their threats. And grant that your bond servants, that's us. Lord, as our sonship and our identity in you overflows in slavery to Christ. Not slavery to sin, but in slavery to Christ as bond servants. Grant that we may speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal. And signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Grant that we would be fluent in your story, God. In the story of the gospel and in the story of your heart. And that we would know our place in it. And this says, my friends, when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. God, we allow you to shake us. We present ourselves for shaking shaking the places where we've gathered together that are not aligned to your kingdom and that are not aligned to your heart. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. May this be true over us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive it. Amen.